Howdy friends, I'm Molly, your host today, and would love to welcome you back to the No Boundaries International podcast. So as a reminder, this podcast is meant to be used as a tool to help equip you in your walk with Jesus in the areas of restoration, training, and outreach. And it's super fun because we do this by combining uh, biblical principles with concepts found in our Journey of Restoration CPR style e-course. And then we have tons and tons and tons of discussion surrounding what it truly means to follow Jesus in these three areas. So I'm super excited today, as per usual. I don't know that there's ever a time that I'm not super excited, but today, as always, we have our No Boundaries International Vice President and Co-Founder, Sandy. Hello. She will be joining us. And then we also have a very, very special guest, Charlotte Freiberg. Hey! And so we're really excited because Charlotte has been with No Boundaries for how long? Eight years. For eight years. Wow. That's almost a decade. It is. So Charlotte's been with No Boundaries for almost a decade, Mm -hmm. and she co-leads worship and is really... Just really an intentional person. She's way cool. Way cool. Thanks. And so she helps out in our restoration department. And then she also is the integrator for our entire organization, meaning that she puts things into place to make the visions come to pass. She makes things happen. Yes, she does. Well said. So Charlotte, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? So, hi, everybody. I'm so honored to be here today and to talk on this uh, special program. Um, So I am a mama um, and a wife of three kids who are in high school and one who's a freshman or just finished his freshman year in college. And I have lived in many different places um, since I got married. My husband's in manufacturing, so we've moved around a lot, which is a big part of my testimony and my surrender, which we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited about. Um, and I'm just passionate about connecting people to Jesus. Yeah. So my favorite times are one-on-one or in a group where people have a real revelation of the heart of God yeah. and what is true about Him and about them. And so that's kind of my sweet spot. That's my favorite place. And um, that's a gift that God's given me to be able to to connect to Him with people. 100%. I will say as someone who has then been at No Boundaries for five years and has met many a time with you in a restoration type setting or in a small group setting, that that is your gifting. So just if you want a little outside affirmation, that that is so real. Well, thanks. It's a yeah, gift. It's an honor. So we're very excited, you guys, because today, as Charlotte said, we're going to be talking about surrender, what it means, what it can look like in our lives, and then just go through some scripture with some biblical examples and to really just kind of press in to then what surrender looks like for each of us individually. So Charlotte, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? So surrender. This is a big word. Um, we sing worship songs, I surrender, or I re-surrender, or, you know, there's just lots of times and moments where we have told the Lord that we surrender, or sung to the Lord that we surrender, but then we kind of leave the moment, and we kind of continue to live life within our own um, understanding. Yeah. And so... Um, if you just Google search a definition of surrender, kind of compiling all of the different things that are said, it basically means that you yield to or you give yourself up 
to another authority. Mm. So that means that you literally put yourself up under an authority who gets to speak into your life and lead you. Um, and so when we sing it, our, and then we walk away, or we say it, and then we walk away, what authority are we walking away under? Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the definition of surrender. Um, and then I'd like to really go into what the Bible says. I have tons of scripture. We may or may not cover all of it. But um, the Bible is super clear about the whole point of new life in Christ is coming up under a new authority. And that our life isn't our own. Yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to. But I like how you brought that up, that we'll sing songs about it. Or we'll even have, I mean, we'll sit around and talk about what we need to surrender to God or something that he's, we were like, oh, last week he asked me to surrender this and we'll like joke or we'll just talk really lightly Mm -hmm. about it. And I don't know that we've ever, or at least on this podcast yet, that we've talked or pressed into the real weight of what's required in surrender and what that actually looks like. Because we're given a whole new authority saying, basically, you have permission to rule my life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, I think sometimes, like in the early part of becoming a, a Christian and following Jesus, sometimes it's, it's not made especially clear. Because like, maybe you were young, or maybe it was just last year, whenever that time was for, for you, for the audience. Um, you know, the, their, maybe the context was like you listen to a sermon or you or a friend is talking to you and they said, do you want to give your life to Christ? Well, here, say this prayer. Yeah. Say the sinner's prayer. And so you do, and it, and it just feels like, okay, you're a Christian now. Yeah. And there's like, so, you know, it's taken so me a I, long time mm-hmm. in my walk with Christ to, to realize, oh, like, I mean, I've kind of heard about the whole surrender thing, but I really didn't understand what that meant. And, I, and and it is hugely important. I just know in my own life, I, don't, I felt like I didn't really um, get deep with Jesus until I really, really got a, a handle on that and really surrendered. So yeah. anyway, I'm glad I'm glad Charlotte's talking about that today. Yeah, and I I'm always you know struck by the scripture that you know when Jesus speaks and then somebody always comments that's just a different authority. Mm. And the authority of Jesus is just different than any other authority we've ever known. And that's because it's a true authority of love. Yeah. And so when we surrender, we're surrendering to love. Hmm. And other people that have had authority over us hasn't always felt like love. Yeah. So so, we don't even always get like a clear picture. Yeah. So we don't, we, we think that we're, just giving our lives to Jesus, but then we go on and Jesus is with us. Rather than giving our lives to Jesus mean that we die to ourself, meaning that we have an actual spiritual rebirth and we're actually dead to our flesh and alive in Christ. And His life is the life that lives through us. That's so good. Mm -hmm. And if we have like, if we walked through life thinking, or if we see Jesus as just like a second, I don't know, like parent or boss Mm -hmm. or like if we think about just all of the authorities in our lives Mm -hmm. which is biblical that god places people in positions of authority over us but if we just kind of lump him into that same category Mm -hmm. then i mean it's really easy to think well i disagreed with my parents in this or i disagreed with my boss in this and there's certain things that you think um just growing up that you'll get away with quote unquote Mm -hmm. that really that's not what it looks like with him. Mm -hmm. And it's not what it should look like actually just in general. 
mm-hmm. but we just get such a twisted view of authority or a twisted view of what it means to be under someone's authority. And it's just hard to trust someone else yeah. leading your life. Right. I know that I asked my husband just the other day when he was commenting on how he didn't have much time in his day for lunch. And I said, do you, do you just wake up and your assistant pretty much schedules your day? And he was like, pretty much. Like, I don't even know. Like, he doesn't add anything to his calendar. I mean, he can't add to his calendar, mm-hmm. but basically she runs his calendar. <laughs> I can't imagine my life with someone else putting my agenda. So I wake up to it. Today I start at seven and I have this meeting and then this meeting, and this meeting, and then I, you know, have this much time to eat. So that's reality for a lot of people, probably. It is. And so that's just a secular level of just surrendering your time and your calendar to someone. But when we surrender our lives to Jesus and he literally is is walking ahead of us and with us each moment of each day, and we're asking him intentionally where he is and what he's asking of us, mm-hmm. um, that's a whole different level of, of trust. Yeah. And so it's really a place of trust. But here's the thing. If we get into the scripture, he went before us in this. He was the one who surrendered his life. And so, yes, the gift of being born again of a true spiritual rebirth happens with our first moment of surrender. And Jesus in John 12, 24 says, as he's preparing um, the disciples and some Pharisees that are there, he's starting to speak a little bit about prophesying about his death. But he says, "Let, let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. So the Aramaic... Um, translation of if it dies, it it says it will bring forth a great rebirth. It will germinate. Mm. So because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. Wow. He then says the person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from the world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me and you will go where I'm going. And if you truly follow me as my disciple, the father will shower you with his favor upon your life. Mm -hmm. So thinking about the grain of wheat dying, the outer shell has to break and decompose for the inner life to begin to germinate and produce a head. And what happens with a grain is it actually sprouts up as many grains. So Mm -hmm. if you think about a head of wheat or a head of corn, an ear of corn, I'm not a farmer, so I can probably go that far. (laughs) That's the extent. But it multiplies the seeds. Yeah. And so that's where the analogy of the harvest being plentiful is from the place of our dying to ourselves in order to then multiply life around us. Wow. And he did it first. Right. That's it. He was the one who did it. So he's an authority inviting us into it, but nothing that he hasn't already fully given himself to. Right. I mean, he's the original grain of wheat. Yes. Right. That's the point. And I think, too, that even um, Molly at this point will probably make fun of me, but even back in the beginning in, in Genesis. Genesis. <laughs> I knew that was coming at some point. <laughs> Tell us Genesis. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think early on God really has, like revealed his heart and nature even back that far in Genesis in that he wants to bless. Mm-hmm. And then in, as part of the blessing is a is a multiplication factor. That's kingdom. That is real uh, kingdom value, a real value of God and Jesus. And so the question might come up like, why should I surrender? What's that 
what's that going to ever do for me? And I'm sure you'll get into this, but, but part of it is, I mean, like you just read the scripture about how when the single grain dies, it multiplies and it brings forth many of the fruit, many, um, and and a multiplication effort. And so it it definitely is a kingdom value Mm -hmm. that Jesus wants out there. And then going back, I mean, let me just piggyback off of this Genesis talk for a second. Yes. I mean, the whole issue, that was the whole issue in the garden was the problem with surrender. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. it, I mean, original humans, we had Adam and Eve, and they they decided that they didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And they chose to be their own God, and they decided to, to do whatever pleased them, mm-hmm. and that they would choose what was best for their life mm-hmm. instead of surrendering under an authority. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah, and a single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat mm-hmm. unless it dies. So we live, we live for ourselves. It sounds very selfish. And we die. If we don't die and choose to die first in a spiritual way in order to then allow the spirit to live through us. So then what does that look like practically speaking? Well, let's talk about surrender and maybe testimonies of where we've experienced a real surrender in yeah. our lives. Okay. So for me, um, one of the biggest moments of my life was, so when I got, I was, I'm from South Carolina. No. Couldn't. Oh. Really, sure really pretty special place. Accent. If y'all can hear the accent, it's real. It's there. <laughs> Not trying with this. And, and um, we love that accent. And I, I love living in the bosom of my family in South Carolina. Like, yeah. I just never envisioned myself living um, the life that I've lived. And so, uh, but we got married, and I'm an adventurer. And I love, um, I studied abroad in high school and college. And I, um, you know, so I'm all about an adventure. I just never thought that would be my whole life. <laughs> so we we moved to, to Houston, Texas, right out of um, getting married. And lived there for five years. And then we actually moved to, to Asia. We moved to China and lived there for almost eight years. Um, and I loved it. And I loved the whole thing. But I got to a place where I had babies. And I wanted my children to be raised with their grandparents and their cousins and our family. And I was missing South Carolina and really just didn't think that I thought 10 years, when you add up the time or more, however long I'd been away, was long enough. And I'd kind of yeah. done my my adventure. Um, and I even felt like I heard from God that we were moving back to South Carolina when we started to think about moving um, from China. And there were connections, and it felt supernatural, really, that we were going to be moving home. And so when we ended up in Oklahoma, oh man, <laughs> um, I I grieved. Yeah. And I remember being in my living room. We had a house that I didn't really like or want. I felt overwhelmed by it. You mean in Oklahoma? In Oklahoma. Yeah. And um, I didn't know anybody. I mean, I didn't, I couldn't tell you where Oklahoma was on the map. I mean, Shanghai felt a lot more comfortable and familiar to me than Oklahoma. Um, but anyway, I remember being lonely. Like, and I'm, I'm a real intimate person. I love people and I love knowing people and being known. That's a real value of mine. And so I didn't feel known. And um, I didn't really even feel known by God, honestly, because I think I was confused mm-hmm. by thinking that he was leading us back to South Carolina. So in that time, I remember saying, like, bawling on my face and saying, I am dying. Like, my flesh is dying. Like, I, this hurt, like, it hurts. It's a grief. Most people know grief like that at some point in their life, if not, 
you know, often, but for me, like it was a grief that really made me ache. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm dying. And then I heard God say, but your spirit, my spirit in you is thriving. And I knew that to be true. I knew that I was more dependent on him in that moment than I'd ever been in my life. I knew that I was placed here in Oklahoma for a reason more than I'd ever known anywhere else that I'd ever been placed. Yeah. And although it was still painful to kind of walk out and and really accept, I surrendered to it because I wanted more of his spirit. I wanted, I, I, and I remember saying, I want the full enchilada God. Like I don't want my perfect little house in South Carolina with my perfect little family all around and my perfect little cousins hanging out with my perfect little kids. (laughs) If that's not going to multiply your kingdom. Yeah. And it might within that little sphere of influence, but it won't at the level that right now I'm doing a podcast that has international influence. Yeah. And so he knows, he just knows better than we do what he's our purpose and what he's doing in us. And so surrendering in that moment where I felt like I was dying, but I knew his spirit in me was thriving was a real place of surrender. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been in Oklahoma now? Um, almost 11 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. And we're building a house here. We're, we're here. Like a, a new home. A new home. Mm-hmm. So we're, which just kind of symbolizes that we're, we're, we're getting rooted in a, yeah. in a deeper way. Um, and, and I see the fruit of it in my kids' lives. I mean, this, this meant that my children were, are Oklahomans. They're mm-hmm. not South Carolinians mm-hmm. because they were little when we moved back from China. And so for them to recognize this area of the country as their home, was a was a difficult thing for me to to accept at first, um, and now I'm so thankful because it's actually a really really special place. If anybody comes to Oklahoma, you're gonna love it. The people are amazing, um, and so it's just always better than and more than we could ask for or imagine. It just is often different. Yeah, and I think the different is hard to surrender to. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you think it's, it's more than you could ask for or imagine. It's going to be an abundance of even more than what you're already envisioning to be true. And yet, actually, it's very different than what you envision to be true. But in that, it's more than. Yeah. And that's kind of like, I mean, if we even look at the disciples, mm-hmm. I mean, they got a completely different king than what they were thinking. Yes. And they had to follow in a completely different way than what they were even perceiving or thinking should be true. I've got chills. And they had to trust Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had to trust his authority. They had to trust God. They had to, like, even though they had this kind of narrow vision of what what it was supposed to look like, quote unquote, and when all of that was different, I mean, they had a real choice of whether to, to abandon it all and be like, oh, no, this isn't what we thought, so we're just going to go do something else. Mm-hmm. Or they had the decision to stick it out and trust and surrender that, they're following someone who knows more than they do. Mm-hmm. And that isn't, I mean, that's also incredibly humbling. Like it takes an act of humility and surrender as well. Yeah. And a real revelation of who Jesus really is. Right. And I think I had that. And I think he gives us that in the call to surrender. He gives it to us with a vision. Like I knew my spirit was thriving. I knew it. I knew I had to submit to that, you yeah. know? And so it wasn't like I didn't know him in it. Yeah. Um, And so I do believe he gives us, and even if it's, I mean, Jesus saying, eat my body and drink my blood and everybody. And three quarters of the disciples leave. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a hard, it's a hard voice sometimes to hear. Yeah. 
Um, and it doesn't make sense and it's hard to understand. But where else would we go? Well, I think, too, the challenge is that um, a lot of times following Jesus looks totally different than anything that we experience, like in our little American culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, different than the social media suggests or different than our school or different than what we've experienced at work. It just totally can re- really look different. It's counterculture. Yes, totally counterculture. And um, and so you ha- at some point, like, and especially in the surrender, you have to realize that, that God's, and that's what the disciples did. They had to realize that they had um, a preconceived notion of what, what the Messiah should look like. And, and, oh my gosh, Jesus was totally different than what they really thought. Mm-hmm. And they had to surrender that preconceived notion and be open to something different. And they did have to trust. Yeah. And they were real up and down with it. And I mean, and I, we can't like criticize them because if we were in the same shoes, I mean, we'd be, I mean, we'd probably be doing the same thing, but, um, and, but I think that's, that's part of it is that we have to be open and surrendered to be open to the fact that it may look completely different than what we had thought. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like for you, Sandy? Um, I think, um, one time of surrender, it looks a little bit different, um, than what you guys have mentioned, but. Um, one time we were doing a little book study kind of retreat thing. And, um, and so I just, I think the, the theme of what we were studying was, was actually surrender and just laying everything on what I say, what I call is laying everything on the table. Like this just be just, just completely honest with God. And at that time I was really struggling. I just kind of felt unseen and unknown. And I just kind of was feeling like I wasn't sure about myself. And, and instead of trying to cover that, and instead of trying to, you know, make some kind of logical sense out of it, I just chose like to spend some time with Jesus. And I'm, I just laid it all like laid it all on the table. Jesus this is how I'm feeling. And this is what I'm perceiving. And I'm just going to be totally honest and, uh, and, you know, be totally honest with him. And here you go. I don't know what to do with it, but this is me and this is where I'm at. And, and I just really just had the conversation with him and was completely honest and completely laid it on the table. And I just really, um, in just even that moment and having that conversation, I felt like the Lord said, like, I pick you. Wow. Kind of like the little kid on the playground, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't, you feel like you never got picked for the dodgeball team, you know, but Jesus came along and said, I pick you. Mm. And that changed everything for me. And so that really met a strong desire in my heart. And just because I had surrendered that instead of trying to cover it or trying to, give 10 excuses why I really don't feel that way or, you know, or why I would, instead of just trying to, to figure it out myself, I just really gave it up and Mm -hmm. surrendered to him. And so he totally turned it around and, uh, and just really helped fill that void in my heart where I, I would felt seen and I felt known. And -hmm. it's interesting that then when you're seen and known and picked by God, like it, it fulfills in a way that no human or no circumstance could ever do that. Mm -hmm. So it's strange that even in this moment of uncomfortable surrender, what God gives you back is actually full fulfillment in him. Mm -hmm. And way bigger than you can can even imagine. And even though you're thinking like, no, like surrender sounds scary because then what if I don't have all of my needs met? What if I don't have all mm-hmm. of these things that that are going to keep me comfortable, like my family in South Carolina mm-hmm. or 
or what if I just try different ways to be known or something like that? You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't hit the same. Mm-hmm. Like nothing right. is more fulfilling than whenever God, whenever God invites you into a deeper level of surrender. Cause all that is, is you're actually just getting more of him mm-hmm. and which is the only thing that will ever fulfill any of us. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I know like if I think about a time, I mean, my ultimate one of true surrender that actually I didn't even know was surrender was seriously when I, when I started saying yes to God. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember, I remember I just had, um, this mental health diagnosis and I'd just been in psychiatric care for several months Mm -hmm. and I was addicted to drugs and alcohol and marijuana or, all the things, right? You name it, I was addicted to it probably. <laughs> yeah. And then I got this psychiatric diagnosis and I was put on all of these medications and I essentially told that I would never be able to function normally in society again. And at this time, I mean, I was even at this point a self-proclaimed atheist who thought that I'd tried church or I'd tried things every once in a while and it never worked out because look at here, here's who I was. Mm-hmm. But if I look on back on it now, I'm like, Oh, it's because you weren't surrendered, Molly. You didn't mean it. But I remember it was December of 2017, and I was smoking a cigarette in my parents' backyard. And I prayed for the first time in a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I just said, God, if you're real, I'll say yes to you for one year. (laughs) For one year. Which, now that I see that I was putting limitations on how long I was willing to (laughs) surrender... (laughs) But I was just like, God, if you're real, I'll say yes to whatever invitation is from you Mm -hmm. or what I would think would be from you. Because at this time, I hadn't read the Bible. I hadn't, like, I mean, read some things, but not really. Hadn't read the full Bible. Didn't know I was even talking to God at this time. Didn't know that he was listening. Didn't know that Jesus wanted a relationship with me. And sure as heck, didn't think anything that the Holy Spirit was even present or like a real thing Mm -hmm. or a real person. I had no idea any of this, and I'm standing out there with But my not cigarette. knowing all that stuff really made your confession pretty real. really real and honest. It mm-hmm. was so honest. It wasn't covered up in like it was like other stuff. This is all I got. Mm-hmm. And I remember standing there, like I can feel it, you know, mm-hmm. I can feel the chill of the wind, I can feel the cigarette in my hand, and I remember just internally being like, Well, what if like, what if this is scary? Mm-hmm. Or like, what if this doesn't work out? What if I end up lonely and scared and like one of those weird Christians that <laughs> I don't know? Uh-huh. And what if I'm lonely and sad and hate everything because it, then I have to leave all my family or my friends or something's going to be weird? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment of revelation, which I know had to be God. And it was just like, Molly, you're already sad. And you're already lonely and you're already scared and you already pretty much hate everything to the point that you're basically suicidal. So like, what else have you got to lose? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, can you tell me how ruling your own life is working out for you? <laughs> like, where has, where has not believing and not trusting got you? Mm-hmm. And I just stood back and I looked at my life and I was like, where it's gotten me is, is, a bunch of psychiatric diagnoses, 
five medications that I have to take daily, caretakers, because I can't be trusted to do anything on my own or run my own life, and I'm sad and addicted. Like, that's where that got me. Mm -hmm. But when I could take a step back and kind of look at that bird's eye view of like, how's this working out for you? Mm -hmm. And to really internalize of, oh, it's not. It's not working out for me. Being my own God is quite frankly miserable. Mm -hmm. This is not working for me anymore. And I remember starting very basic. um, And I really had to trust. And basically at this point, it was like an invitation from God was basically doing almost the exact opposite of Mm -hmm. what I would do normally. Mm -hmm. So like in the morning, first I'd live and be like, okay, God, like, am I supposed to get out of bed today? (laughs) You'd be like, Yes. Like, okay, then now what? Like, am I supposed to go to this place? Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? And it built something in me over the years. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been five years or it's been over five years since that day. And I can say it was worth it. And also just just for the sake of the audience, maybe maybe this is the first time somebody's listened to our podcast, but just kind of give the the short version of uh, like where you are with those diagnoses, those mental health oh, diagnoses. Oh yeah, gone. Yeah, completely. Actually, which this is fun. I went to um, I went to a doctor's office recently, mm-hmm. and they were basically like, "Hey Molly, I know that because you have to have a patient history, you mm-hmm. know." And like, I know that you've said that this was in your patient history, and I can maybe see like okay, if that's what you were struggling with then, but I want you to know that you don't test for any of those anymore. All those mental health diagnoses. So like bipolar, like you don't, you're not testing like that anymore. And like anxiety and you don't really seem depressed at all. Like, in fact, you're our most optimistic patient. (laughs) (laughs) Like you're the most like fun to be around and encouraging. And because they have like a little scale of like, how are you and your family relationships and your friends? Like, where do you feel one to 10, one being the worst, 10 being the best? And I was like, 10. And they're like, and interpersonally, like, how are you internally? How you doing? I'm like, yeah, 10. And they're like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Like, but really, yeah. I was just like, what is like, why are you? And it was really cool to like, kind of step back and be like, wow, God, like, like what you really give is a true joy mm-hmm. and true peace. And when you're living unsurrendered, all you're trying to do is get love and peace from the things that will not ever bring it. Mm-hmm. And you're just looking for the counterfeit to fill the void inside of you. And that's where that's what unsurrender is. That's what being unsurrendered is. Yeah. Look at the garden. Adam and Eve thought that they could do it better, that they could meet their own needs better than the God of the universe who created literally every, he created them Mm -hmm. and they're still questioning about if he can provide and meet their needs emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. And that didn't work out so well. And it didn't, but how did it work? (laughs) And it led them to death. It led them to death. And, And the rest of human humanity. Right. You know, it was a big deal. I mean, surrender is a big, this is, is a big topic. So in thinking about our stories, you know, whether it's me who's really surrendering a dream, let's say that dream I knew wouldn't work for me. I mean, I knew in my spirit, you know, in that place of the end, because when you have an invitation from God, then 
who wants to then stick with their own little dream? Right. You know? And so for me to trust that I couldn't see what that would really look like. And it, and it meant truly living very far away from who I love very deeply, but it's an invitation from God. And then Sandy could have stayed in her feeling isolated or feeling unknown or, or feeling like she didn't know what she really had to offer. And that creates a whirl in our own mind where then we see everything, even we perceive everything through that through lens. That lens yeah. And so then she'll, she wouldn't see an invitation of being known or of really contributing um, when she's stuck in that lens. And so for her, then God, because she surrendered, she turned. So the, the, the verse in Corinthians, it says, anyone who turns to the Lord, the veil is lifted and we see him for who he is. And so this is basically what happens in surrender is we, she's turned to him and said, this is what's real. And she was honest with him. And so it's okay to be honest. If you're just feeling things, if, if you're just distorted in perspective in one way or another, or in a lie or things happen to us and, and people are hard to be with. And in that we take on lies. Mm -hmm. And so just to go to the Lord for the truth is that place of surrender. And then God gave her the calling, the invitation of what she really and truly is and and the perspective of how much she actually really does matter, which is the total opposite of what she was feeling. And then Molly coming into a surrender of truly like she's in the middle of her chaos and she's like, well, this isn't working for me. So all <laughs> of us can miserable. say whether I'm stuck in my mind and in my world or whether I'm stuck in my dream and my white knuckling, my right to have what I want and what I envisioned or mm -hmm. stuck in chaos, none of it's working for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the invitation is truly love. Mm -hmm. And so if we look at where we all are now and the, the calling on each of our lives on this team and within our community, it's just way more than we could ever ask for or imagine. Yeah. And it really is. And I, I'm sure there are people listening that can relate. And there are also people listening that are really struggling with, he's asking me, I feel I'm knocking, but I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm still leaning on my own understanding. I'm still just trying to see how I can have this and have that. And so, you know, later on in this podcast, I just want to invite us into connecting to God in that. But surrender, coming back to kind of the scripture, surrender does bring us to a place of being born again, a true place of salvation where we have a spiritual rebirth. And then it also brings us into a place of true discipleship. And so this is, this is really where we are following Jesus in order to become more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so he says in Mark, Jesus says in Mark 8, 34 through 36, to the crowd following him and to his disciples, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience as your own. And as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you let your life go for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, you will continually experience true life. But if you choose to keep your life for yourself, you will forfeit what you try to keep. For what use is it to gain all the wealth and power of this world with everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life? Wow. So it's a pretty direct message. Mm -hmm. And then you will forfeit what you're even trying to keep. Mm-hmm. 
Which is kind of where we like, were. Like, what, what, how is it working for us anyway? Right. So the very thing that you're trying to gain mm-hmm. by not surrendering is the very things that you're actually losing because you're not allowing it to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that, what is it? Self, I don't know. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, thank yeah. you. Like, you want all of these things, so you're trying to manipulate or get or control or whatever that you're trying to do to to get it. Mm-hmm. And then in reality, by you trying to do that, you're actually losing it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's and it's black and white. Like, mm-hmm. this is so clear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we really... And and he just says, if you want to be my disciple, if you really want to follow me, and I think we just, I know there's books and books about this and different, you know, teachings and all of that, but let's just get back to what Jesus is inviting us into right now. Yeah. It really is truly, he's looking at you in the eye and he's saying, follow me. And that does look like turning from your own life, your own way and trusting him. And coming up under his authority in order to be his disciple, which means he's speaking into your life, which means he's giving you the truth and the perspective of the truth, the way, and the life. And it's only uncomfortable whenever you keep trying to hang on to it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like the anxiety of giving something up, quote unquote, or or surrendering or surrendering a certain part of yourself or a certain part of your lifestyle to God, mm-hmm. like the tension comes actually whenever, like as as followers of Jesus, the tension comes whenever you're trying to keep holding on to that. Mm-hmm. But actually, what you'll see is whenever you let it go, there's a peace and there's something different that that happens within you that um, almost like it's like a regrounding. Mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. but it's getting comfortable in the uncomfortable, but yeah. it was uncomfortable, uncomfortable for you, Charlotte to, to, I can just see you like weeping and that physical pain of grieving what your dream was mm-hmm. or Sandy, you could have stayed, you know, like, what was me? Mm-hmm. And I can't, and I could have stayed in the middle of chaos, but it, it, the only part that was uncomfortable was actually in the surrender process. Mm -hmm. But once it was done, then you're like, well, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, well, okay, Mm -hmm. let's do this. And Mm -hmm. then you get, you do quite truly receive everything that you were even trying to hold on to. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. That's like, is that the God we serve? And so what's so cool is a revelation of right now. So I'm in Oklahoma city in this ministry and South Carolina, the people, the church that I was a part of when I lived in South Carolina has totally received the journey of restoration and is leading it within their church and within that area. And we even have a no boundary South Carolina now. Yeah. And so the multiplication of no boundaries multiplying through my life and my connection with mm-hmm. South Carolina there and here and the lives that are being transformed because of our connection is just miraculous mm-hmm. literally miraculous. but none of that would have happened if you hadn't surrendered no and it's it probably you probably couldn't have like okay let's rationalize this if i surrender right now let's see now um all the people in south carolina um the church there they'll come to 
to learn about the journey of restoration and then they'll be, you know what I mean? I couldn't have found no way. No, I thought I was leaving them for good and I would be (laughs) lost for forever. But you brought restoration even to South Carolina by being in Oklahoma. Right. I mean, God did, you know? And so, and God, and then that keeps me connected. I'm going to South Carolina a couple of weeks because of a journey of restoration. And so he just, it's all unto him and it's all united as the body. We're all united. And in the natural, though, that wouldn't have made sense. Like, no. you could have sat there and tried to rationalize, like, no, if this is, if I carry freedom and restoration, I need to go be, and I want that for South Carolina, that I need to go and I need to live there and I need to plant there. Yeah. And you could logically, you could have mapped it out mm-hmm. all in your all in your brain and, and try to do it on your own. Yep. But he, what he's doing is so much bigger. So much bigger. And so it wasn't like this hard, harsh religious spirit of leave your family and follow me. Right. It was actually follow me, fall in love with me, and it will encompass your family. You know? Yeah. You'll multiply like a grain of wheat. It will multiply like a grain of wheat if I choose to die. And just while we're on the subject, so the latest surrender for me was a place of a real fear as I've gotten more involved in no boundaries of it symbolizing me leaving my my actual my kids and my husband, my family here. Because it's we're we are we're missionaries, and so there's a lot of opportunities to go internationally. Um, and I really am called to to be in my position in all of that. Um, but I had a real freak out moment just recently where I was like, <laughs> "It means I'm leaving my family." And so, you know, when you're one in marriage, you know, and you get called, and what does that do with your with your spouse or with your family? But what was so cool is that I came home to Mother's Day and my kids had all written me letters about what they love about me, which all had to do with my heart for the broken and it had to do for knowing what really mattered in life and um, and really modeling for them a discipled lifestyle. And so that was number one. And then when I was praying with my uh, for my husband, it was, you know, you're a God of covenant and you're a God of love mm-hmm. and you're a God of unity. Why would you ever set me up in a call? that would cause pressure in a negative way or would would hurt the covenant that I have in my marriage or or the love that I have in my marriage or the unity that I have in my marriage and my family. And so it's just the liar that just twists it. And you think your yes and your death to yourself and how it affects those around you is going to cause damage. But in reality, he would never call you to something that that doesn't add to and heal and make whole and restore and bring into the fullness of covenant of family and of marriage and of friendship and all the things. And so, yes, there's probably things in your life that are going to change when you surrender. And there's influences in your life that were never supposed to be there to begin with. But the things that are in covenant, the things that he's handed to you that are from him, he will guard and protect until the day of his coming. And so mm-hmm. for me, I just, it was like a total aha moment again of like, who am, what, where did that come from? That I would think that my covenant marriage would be challenged in a negative way mm-hmm. because I'm saying yes to this call. Yeah. And he's not going to, he's not going to bless what you're doing or he's not going to bless your calling at the expense or at the hurt of someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, because when God, he can only give, he can only love. And so if you're blessed in the fullness of your calling and your identity and walking it out, then you walking it out is actually going to be the best thing that will bless your family and that will bless the people around you. Right. Because he doesn't, 
It's not like, oh, because Charlotte is doing this and walking in it and I have this great call on her. Oh, but that means her husband over here, like he's has to suffer. Right. Like that is a completely wrong perspective. Right. And and I will say, I mean, there are people that have been hurt in the church or through missionaries yeah. and parents. Oh yeah. Because we haven't followed we haven't followed in truth what right. Jesus is really asking us to do. And so we're gonna get to that next section too. So this is Romans twelve one. This is back to the Bible. I so love Romans. So not only are we born again in surrender, we also become a disciple in surrender, but we also remain in his will in surrender. And so Romans twelve one through two says, Beloved friends, we should what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes our genuine expression of worship. And it goes on to say, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Mm -hmm. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So when we surrender our lives in response to his life given for ours, then he begins to renew our mind. So if we bring the same mind into our surrender, we surrender and then we bring the same mind in from that point on, then we can hurt people in the path and it will be at the cost of those around us. Yeah. But if he renews our mind. And gives we, you a different way of thinking. Right. We're, we Again, we have a spiritual rebirth. It's a new it's a new mind coming in and he changes the way that we think. And then we can truly have discernment about how to live. And, and that's the perfect life in his eyes. And don't we all want to come before him at the end of the day and say, you lived the exact life that I prepared for you. Like yeah. you lived perfectly in that and not in perfection in our striving, but in our perfection and surrender and in truly allowing him to ch- transform how we think. Yeah. And so this is not to discount people who have been hurt by ministry. Yeah. That's real and true and needs healing. But that's not God. That's not Jesus. And that's not his, his invitation to discipleship is not at the expense of those around us. Now, yeah. there may be tension and there may be refining and people may not like it if you're changing. But the refining is way different than condemning or or hurting or just straight up hurt right that's very different yeah so we must let him transform our minds amen Mm -hmm. and that also comes through surrender which is kind of sandy's example as well Mm -hmm. um which is what we offer with our journey of restoration like Mm -hmm. we have a whole i mean part of the thing that no boundaries does that the backbone of our restoration process, which is one third of the things that we yeah. do, is it founded on this idea that if you change your brain, yeah, you change your life. And so we have an entire e-course, a journey of restoration CPR style e-course dedicated to this transformation or reformation. I like that wording uh-huh. or this reformation of your mind and getting different thoughts and getting Jesus's perspective and getting kind of outside of of your ways and and what you see and your logic and your brain power and really coming up higher mm-hmm. and to ask God what His perspective is, what His mind is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. That our 
thoughts are consecrated with his thoughts. Mm -hmm. And that only comes through really accepting this spiritual rebirth or this spiritual new birth and knowing that we can think differently. Right. And that's kind of, you know, common questions in our culture is Jesus, what do you want me to know? And Jesus, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's in following him as a disciple. That's every moment of every day. There's a million options. There's a million choices and decisions mm-hmm. in this day in life with a way too much input. Mm-hmm. What do you want me to know? And I don't want to know what I'm not supposed to know. <laughs> I don't want to be privy to conversations that I don't need to know about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't need to go research in areas that I don't need to try to understand on my own. But Lord, okay. what do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do? And and that's that's how we transform our mind. And that's how we know him more intimately. And that's how he knows us more intimately. Because what he might want me to do would look different than what he wants Molly to do mm-hmm. in a certain moment. We're in the same moment. And it, yeah. it may be a different invitation for Molly than it is for me or for Sandy. Based on him knowing us and knowing our part in the moment. And then I... And I think, too, that like part of that in the whole surrender process, I think sometimes when people have trouble with that, it's a I mean, I'll just guess I'll say it clearly. But uh, some people really want to control their lives, you mm-hmm. know, because and a lot of that is often stems from hurts that they've had. Mm-hmm. And how do we can how do you control your life so you don't get hurt again? Mm-hmm. But at some point, I mean, if you were truly going to surrender to Jesus, um, then there has to, there has to be a giving up of control. Mm-hmm. And also on the flip side of that, the good side of it is trust. Yeah. And that you have to, I mean, he's, he is the God of the universe. He's the one who created us. And he, I think most of us don't really fully grasp how crazily involved in our everyday experience. We just don't see it. Maybe we're not looking for it. Maybe we don't have the right, uh, you know, perspective on the, on how the day is going. And so um, there's a trust factor in there. And mm-hmm. we have to, we really had to surrender that control and trust that, you know, maybe the God of the universe can can uh, do this whole life thing that I'm doing a lot better than I have been doing. Kind of like Molly's story, like, I mean, what do you got to lose, you know? Yeah. So there is a big trust factor in that. And But, you know, it says clearly in the word from the beginning of time that God is faithful and he's true. He doesn't change his mind. Mm-hmm. It's and I say that in the sense of God doesn't change His mind, and that's clear in Scripture. So He's not going to change His mind about how much He loves you. Mm-hmm. He's not like and and maybe in past relationships, some people have had the issue of, well, you know, they said they loved me, but now they say they don't. Mm-hmm. They change their mind, but God isn't like that. So all that to say is God is so different than a lot of the human interactions that we've um, had experiences with, you know, here in our lives. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the, the real example is Jesus. So Jesus, again, if I'm looking at different ways that we can surrender, I have a little list here, and it's like surrendering my right to be right, mm-hmm. mm. surrendering my right to understand. So Jesus would speak, and not everybody agreed with him. Jesus would predict people leaving them, and they would say, "Not me, Lord." Mm-hmm. And they would. Jesus would ask for people to pray for him and watch in his most painful, agonizing surrender, mm-hmm. B- sweating blood, yeah. surrender, and just ask them to stay up and pray. 
So, and Jesus, as far as surrendering your right to be afraid, like Jesus, the first thing he would say is, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. And so he knew our hearts. He knows where we need to feel understood. He knows where maybe we are right, but we're not quite known in that yet. But yeah. can we just give that to him and trust his justice and trust his truth and trust his presence to speak into someone else's life if we release it? Yeah, and to trust that he that he can lead our lives and he'll lead the people around us way better than we can on our own. Mm-hmm. And that's where, I mean, I'm going back a little bit, Char, whenever you were saying, <laughs> like, the gathering information. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you two sitting in front of me, you know me pretty well, mm-hmm. I would say. And, you know, sometimes I can be a little bit all or nothing. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes that's the... <laughs> Not all the time, but 90% of the time, that's the um, thought process. Which is a superpower. Is that if I'm going in on something, I'm all in. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember when I was like, okay, I'm going to heal myself. Like, Mm -hmm. I can do this. Like, there's so many books out there on complex trauma or PTSD or this or addictions or whatever. And I would just read. This is fairly recently. I mean, I would just read (laughs) A, you know, five books a week mm-hmm. or listen to it on audiobook and get all of this information and be like, okay, I'm going through the steps, Lord. I got this. Like, because I have a high capacity for intellectual understanding. Yes. And actually, whenever I step back for just a second and, you know, consulted with the king of the universe who already has plans for my life laid out. Mm-hmm. And I just said, God, like, what are, what do you want to do? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. How are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to take care of me. And he gave me this, like all of those things that I just listed. But what he wanted to do is he took me back to when I was just a little tiny girl. And I had this like vision that we we're going down this, um, hill at my grandma's house. Yeah. My grandma's house is my happy place. And there's uh-huh. this big hill that goes down and I love a good adrenaline rush or something. And he was carrying my roller skates. I'm probably like four or five. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just a little girl and he's carrying my roller skates and we're walking up the hill and I'm thinking we're about to like ride down this really fast. This is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And then we sit down in this vision and he starts putting my elbow pads on. And he starts putting my knee pads on. And he starts putting my wrist pads on. And then I remember he takes a helmet and he puts it on my head and he buckles it. And it ministered and healed something in my heart that I can't even explain. Mm. And I was like, Jesus, do it again. Mm -hmm. And I just kept imagining, oh, we never even got to go down the hill. Like, (laughs) I didn't even want to. In my brain, it was just such an experiential knowledge and experience an experience with him. I had a, I had an experience with the authority of love. Yes. And that experience with the authority of love who wanted to snap my helmet on and off again, uh-huh. however many times I needed him to, that healed something in me. Yeah. And that healed something in me that I had been looking up mm-hmm. countless amounts of books and self-help, whatever, to try to get to that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's not how we're doing this for you. Mm-hmm. And I love books. And I think we all need to read books. Right. 
And so don't want to discount that. But for my life, when I was trying to lead myself through more intellectual knowledge Mm -hmm. of the things, whenever what he wanted to do is he wanted to minister to my four-year-old heart and heal whatever needed to be healed at the root Mm -hmm. to say, man, I love taking care of you. And it just did something different. Mm -hmm. And whenever we can surrender to that, and whenever I could say, Jesus, you're the one who created me. You're the Lord of my healing. You're the Lord of my walk. You're the Lord of my life. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what sets you free, truly. And that's what he does. He just leads us into love. Yes. And it's a different love than we've known in any other relationship. Yeah. He is the authority of love. And I think, too, that like what you just described with uh, trying to do, like trying to figure it out yourself and do the self-help books and all that sort of stuff. Which a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people have gone down that road, you know? Yeah. But I was reading some scripture um, this morning, and it just describes that sort of scenario that I think many of us in our lives have been in at one time or another, trying to figure it out, and we're going to do it our own way, you know? Yeah. Before you realize, oh, maybe I should surrender. So (laughs) in Isaiah 50, it says, But now all of you who light fires and provide yourself with flaming torches, go, walk in the light of your fires. In other words... You you guys who are kind of doing it and figuring it out oh. on your own, like, go ahead. The illuminated how that, ones. Yeah. yeah, see how that works out for you. And it continues. So go walk in the light of your fires and the torches that you've set ablaze. And this is what you'll receive from, from my hand. You'll lie down in torment. Mm. In other words, like wow. when you try to figure it out yourself and you want to be your own God and like read the 3,000 self-help books and, and like you're going to figure this thing out your own way which is the wording they use in there is you light your own fires. Yeah. Then he said the result is that you end up in torment. Mm -hmm. Which is true. Yeah. It is torment. I mean, it was torment for me trying to figure out how I was going to heal myself, quote unquote. It was torment for you thinking that you weren't worthy or could like, or forgotten or not seen. And it was torment for you, Charlotte, trying to, Figure out your own dream. Well, it would have been torment had I been in my right. dream. Because I've done that too, where I'm like, no, I think I'd, I would like to do it my way. And in my way, I'm tormented. It right. is torment. Yeah. So it may not hit until you're in the thing. Right. But as soon as you pick it, you're like, oh, no. What you is know? that? Isaiah what? 50? Isaiah 50. Uh, yes. Isaiah 50, 11. Okay. That's really good. That is so good. And that leads me to the, the final point with surrender in Scripture, where not only do we have rebirth, not only do we become a disciple or live in His will, but we live in rest. Hmm. And so Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Are you tired, worn out, burn out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so he, he lives through us. So when we surrender and we become a disciple and he's transforming our mind, it's his spirit doing it. Think about Molly knowing nothing about him and yet something in her spirit God in her spirit led her to that place of the one year obedience. And so she could ask him questions Mm -hmm. and really kind of know what way to go. Yeah. She didn't have this 
you know, lifetime of talking to him before she started to just follow him. And our spirit knows it resonates with his spirit when we're surrendered. When we're not surrendered, it doesn't. And it gets confusing and you don't know what spirit's really leading you. Torment leads to torment. Torment is, yes. So, but when we surrender, then we actually really hear him. We have clarity and we know what way to go. And there's just something inside of us that it resonates. This is the next step. Yeah. And and then we realize it's love, it's rest, it's him doing it through us. It's wow, I don't know how to talk about surrender on this podcast. I'm not a theologian, but I have surrendered, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so let's just share. And so with with whatever he calls you to, his spirit follows through. Yeah. He is faithful to complete it. And so we can rest in that. And we can rest in whatever the surrender looks like. And it'll look different for you than for your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And so we all need to just stay connected to God within our own personal surrender, including within our families and our spouses and and all the people. Um, But it is a constant awareness and submission to a higher authority. That is surrender. The big things, career, family, community, suffering, lost, and in the daily things of just what do you want me to know and what do you want me to do? Are there any other thoughts that you guys have? Okay. So I just want to invite everyone listening into an opportunity to really come before God. Whatever that looks like, if you can just envision Jesus and you envision yourself and all the things, the people, the blessings, the sufferings, the hopes, the needs that are in your heart, that you're holding on to, that you're trying to understand or gain more knowledge or information on, or you're really resisting because you feel a call, but you're just scared. And whatever it looks like to hand that to him, this is your opportunity. It is a supernatural moment that you're listening to this podcast in this moment. We trust God's timing in that. Any place where you think you have the right to be right or to want what you want or to have what you have, you get to hand that over to Jesus in freedom and in rest and in full sight of who he really is. So I just thank you, God, that you're revealing yourself to everyone listening. And maybe there's an exchange. Maybe he has something to offer you. So Jesus, do you have something to offer me in exchange from what I'm surrendering to you? Or a direction that you want me to go and follow with you? And that's really it. When you turn to him, and give up what you've been holding on to. He has the full authority over you. And it will be clear and you will know his will and he will lead you into discipleship with him from his spirit. So I bless you in Jesus name with how he leads you from here. Yeah. I think that pretty much actually sums it up. So we will talk with you guys next time. And thank you, Charlotte, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Bye.